Welcome to the North Brevard Church of Christ podcast. I'm Doug Hunter, one of the elders. We hope that this podcast makes our sermons and Bible studies more accessible. I want to focus on the idea of the flesh and the spirit. And the idea that we're actually dual natured. We're actually two different things. We're completely physical and we're completely spiritual. And you can't have one without the other. So, Romans 8... Can you guys read that? I tried really hard to make that jump off the page, but uh, yeah, okay. Romans 8, starting in verse 5, says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit, who dwells in you, last but not least. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That's a pretty heavy scripture, in my opinion. And I got a couple more that are just as heavy. But when we're thinking about the idea of flesh and spirit based on these, uh, this specific scripture, what really jumps off the page? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody else? It's a pretty good summary. I probably shouldn't call on the elders first, should I? Yeah, I mean, that that is definitely the case when it comes to the flesh. I like to think of it from a different perspective. Because for some people, God's not even really part of the equation, Right? For some people, God's just not part of the equation. They don't believe in God. There is no God. We're just here. This is it. This is what we got. So, excuse me. When it comes to that idea, that aspect of flesh is momentary. It's living in the moment. It's being present in the moment. It's making decisions based on the moment, right? And... So as long as in the moment I'm getting gratification from the choice I'm making, 
as long as it's feeding the desire of my flesh, then it's okay. Whereas the spirit, people who are spiritual, don't live for the moment because the moment gets in the way of eternity. And that's a big, big, big deal, at least to me. Um, how many of us make decisions based on the moment? I think we all do at times, right? Isn't that fair to say? They don't always work out. They're not always the right decision. Sometimes they are the right decision. But a lot of us make decisions in the moment based on the moment. Whereas spirit makes decisions based on the eternal. So it's always asking the question, what would God want me to do? What is, does heaven look like compared to the life I'm living now? How can I make what I'm doing now in this world, in this physical place, look and feel and, and act like heaven? Have you ever considered that? How about this one? Again, what Chuck said is going to jump off the page. <clears throat> Galatians 5, starting in verse 16, says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Sounds pretty similar so far. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And here they are. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? What do you think about the flesh being opposed to to the spirit and the spirit being opposed to the flesh. And Paul says, right down there in verse 17, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. What do you think about that? I know this is probably a scary scripture to want to share your thoughts on, but you don't just want to hear mine, I can promise. John, did you want to say something? 
Oh, were you not raising your hand? I thought you were like, okay, go ahead. Oh, okay. We're going to move on. Oh. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'd say a lot of the, I know for me personally, a lot of the stuff I really question in the Bible, a lot of the stuff that I've had struggle with in the Bible is because my fle- that's the spots where my flesh and my spirit do not agree. It's the spots that don't necessarily make sense on both sides of the equation for me. Like, for example, stealing is a simple one, right? Stealing is a simple one, right? I mean, you don't take something that's not yours. It's pretty simple. Makes sense. You don't want somebody to do that to you, so why would you do that to somebody else? What about, what about when you're extremely poor? What about them? <coughs> Is it as simple then? Let me give you a, um, let me get you to where I'm at. Because I can see the look in some of your eyes and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about right now. What about Robin Hood? Are we familiar with the fairy tale Robin Hood? Do we need to go through an explanation of that? It's a true story. It's got serious historical backing. Hmm. What about Robin Hood? Right? Makes sense. Somebody at the top is greedy and they're hoarding all the money. This guy who's stealing from the rich to give to the poor all of a sudden becomes a hero, right? He's the hero of the story. Okay. That's redistribution of wealth. Okay. Um, all right. Wasn't expected to get into politics tonight, but I'm fair game. Um, um, don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. It's still stealing. Why you say it like that? That's so much harder to say. It's still stealing. It is. It's still in. Okay. (laughs) Still in. Still in. Yeah, it's stealing. And it becomes difficult. In certain situations, the black and the white, you could almost make any black and white start to blur into gray. You could. In almost all situations. Go ahead.
Sure. Sure. I would agree with that. I think that's a fair statement. Sometimes it does, doesn't it? Sometimes it does. You know, there's a conversation that I have over and over and over and over with kids. Um, and here's, here's how the conversation goes. And I've actually found that this conversation happens just as much with adults as kids the, the more I've uh, been in, the longer I've been in ministry. Okay. But the idea of marriage to a lot of people, marriage is pretty black and white, isn't it? You're either married or you're not, right? You're either married or you're not. You usually have a legal document that would certify your marriage, which those of us who are in ministry sign all the time, Right? Or you don't. It's that simple. Some people will tell you, what do you need a piece of paper for? What do you need a piece of paper for? Some people will tell you that. I've had Christian people tell me, you don't need a paper to be married. So we can decide one day that we're going to be married. We get married that day. Because we decided to, now we're living together, we're doing all the things married people do, and there's nothing wrong with it in God's eyes. Never hear that before? It's common. Sure. Sure. This is getting really deep. Um. Are you a citizen of Mexico? Are you a citizen of the United States? I'd say you got to abide by the laws of the land, wherever you are. <laughs> well, that's the safe one, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Sure they are, because you're breaking the law. Yeah, I agree. I have a friend. We're going to call him anonymous, okay? I have a friend who, this is real-life situation, very good friend of mine, who was with a woman who had a previous marriage, Okay, and the divorce didn't happen fast enough for them, the legalization of the divorce. And then when that happened, they um, could not get married. They still could not get married because under the, under the laws, because of taxes and stuff, right, under the, way it was, under the way it was, 
she was getting her schooling paid for, okay? And if they got married, she wouldn't be able to go to school anymore. She wouldn't be able to afford it. These are real-life situations. They make things difficult, but I'm not sure they make things gray. Go ahead. I am, aren't I? Sure. Yeah. They want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. 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 I think that that's exactly what we're here for. To help make sense of things when they don't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely do. And we live in a country where I think, honestly, we're pretty lucky. A lot of our laws are written in favor of religious freedom, okay, and stuff like that. But there are definitely, when it comes to um, certain tax laws and stuff, not to get too deep into that. There are definitely times where the way the system, the financial part of the system is set up, sometimes doesn't favor doing the right thing when it comes to the Bible. Sometimes doesn't favor that, okay? Doesn't mean that, well, it doesn't matter anymore. Just throw it all out the window because it doesn't matter anymore, okay? Um, I think these are, the reason why I brought this up is to, to really talk about what John was saying, which is a lot of a struggle when the flesh and the spirit don't, where they don't see eye to eye. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we're talking about somebody that's totally given to whatever whatever's good for me. I don't care who I step on, who I hurt, or anything like that. And no conscience about it, as opposed to the struggling that you're talking about, that we all have with, with pressure. We do struggle. Sure. Sure. No, this is the this is the end. You might be remembering the last part of the verses, though. This is the last part of Romans. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to, anybody in here not make any bad choices ever anymore? Mike, do you want to say something? You're not saying, Sue, Sue. Oh, so you don't have to make, oh, so you don't make bad choices anymore because she's the only one who makes, I got you. That was a bad choice right there. (laughs) Deeper and deeper. Okay. Um. Again, these things are in conflict. We can't deny that some of these things are definitely in conflict. It's like this. This is another thing I say all the time. You know, let's talk about funerals for a second. Funerals are never fun, right? When people die, it's not an exciting thing. We're not like, yeah, right? I know this is not easy to talk about. We've all experienced loss. Okay, but here's the truth. For the Christian, the funeral really should be a celebration. Yeah, but it's difficult because there's a part of us that just lost something that was physical, right? That was here, that was present. Now it's not. And there's a separation because that has moved into the spiritual. And we can't have it anymore here. Yeah. But really, really, this is, really, this took me years to come full circle on after the death of Aaron. I won't lie. I had a hard time going to funerals in general for years after the death of Aaron. They were difficult. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's sort of true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I think, see, I think that struggle that we deal with is, is even the strongest of us even the strongest of us, even the most spiritual of us, still have doubt at times. We still have moments of weakness in faith. And sometimes, specifically around those types of events, that can really show. Can really show. And I just think, again, we're talking about flesh versus spirit. These are the, this is the reality of my flesh. The reality of my flesh is when somebody dies, I go into grief. I have grief. I have grievance, okay? I have mourning in my life, even though the Bible tells me I should be celebrating because he is receiving or she is receiving their reward. You know? Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Sure he did. He sure did. And I'm not saying it's wrong to be in mourning. But what I am saying is, there should also be a celebration. Here's something about Lazarus, because I've heard that many times discussing this exact topic. Did Jesus cry because Lazarus was dead? Is that why he cried? He was about to raise him from the dead. 
I agree. I think he cried because of the grief of the people he was surrounded by. Mary and Martha were so upset with Jesus. You guys remember that? They were so upset with him. They're like, you could have stopped this. We've seen you heal other people. You could have stopped this, but you stayed away until he's dead. And now he's so dead, I don't even want you to open up the tomb. Right? That's the story. Well, did he, do you think he loved Mary and Martha? Yeah. That was probably one of the closest families to him in his time on earth. They probably have a special place in heaven if there are special places. Yeah, I agree. That's, I'm not saying, okay, so I'm not saying that it's wrong to have grief when someone dies. I think that's natural. Okay. Uh, my first funeral I ever did was somebody I didn't know in West Virginia. No. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. I was caught up in the moment. I was 19 years old doing my first funeral ever for somebody I never even met a day in my life. Didn't know their family, didn't know anything. I was really more inside my own head. Yeah, of course you feel it. You wouldn't be human if you didn't, right? But this is what I'm trying to say. That, that part of us, okay, that is the physical. That is the flesh. Okay? The spiritual side of us knows that it's not over. Right? Don't you know that? It's not over. I'm going to see my sister-in-law again. I know that. Right? It's not over. That didn't stop me from feeling the greatest pain of my life the day we were told that she was not here no more. I'm talking about how they're in competition with each other. Okay? I want to be clear about that. I'm not saying what is right and what is wrong. Just because, for example, there are things that are of the physical that aren't bad, are they? My, my kisses from my son, my sons, are physical. They're flesh. They're not bad. You want to say something? Yeah, uh, I was wondering Well, I think it's both, actually. I think sinful nature comes from the flesh. It doesn't come from the spirit.
It's a little bit simple. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. See. Mhm. Sure. Sure. Because he's talking again. <coughs> I understand that. I didn't say that your grief's going to condemn you. Okay. Okay. So let me let me just let me let me unpack that a little bit more then. Okay? Because to me, we're talking about the conflict. Okay? To me, to keep it in context of what the scripture's actually saying, is everything flesh bad? Is everything flesh bad? Everything flesh is bad. Exactly. I would agree that everything the everything flesh is not bad. Okay. Okay. So hear me out for a second. Because obviously I'm not communicating very well. Okay. We are talking about the conflict of your flesh and your spirit. The conflict, when they come in conflict, that's what we're talking about, okay? So, when we're talking about, for example, the grief that we feel, is the grief that we feel when somebody dies bad? Did I say it was bad? Does the Bible say it was bad? Does anybody in here think it was bad? No, that's not what I'm saying. It's, it's, it is, it's a physic, it comes from the physicality of life. Okay. When, it, when the flesh and the spirit are in conflict, I would totally agree with you. Tell me. Okay. Everybody agrees with that? Huh? No, I agree, but I well, I think I think you guys are misunderstanding what I'm saying, but it's fine. You want to say something? Go ahead. Yeah, because the Right, that's, that has been affected by the spirit. Now you're talking about when your flesh and your spirit come together. Right, so I thought, okay. So on one hand, we're answering the question with they, the, the context of the scriptures only when they're going against each other. And on the other hand, you're saying that they actually can go together. Okay, 
All right, so let's go back to this for a second and let's talk about it from the aspect of <clears throat> when your flesh and your spirit are in conflict. Because they are. And why would they be? There you go. You want, a, you want a definition of flesh we can all live with? Flesh deals with the physical, tangible, invisible, visual aspects of life. The spiritual application of flesh is the direction our physical being takes us, which leads us away from God. Can we all agree with that? No. Okay, tell me why not. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I don't see that actually in the scripture. <clears throat> okay. So I'm really having a struggle here with what the mis miscommunication is. Big time. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. But the flesh can't. Okay. It can't listen to God. It can't be in contact with God. Okay. So use that to make Okay. Um I decide to live my way, doing my thing. And if I do that, mm-hmm. What'd you just say? <laughs> it means women too. Yeah. Okay. So again, to okay. So let's just go with let's go with that thought. Because I'm not really necessarily disagreeing with that thought. You guys are disagreeing with the fact that it all comes from the physical. Um, and for me, I look at that list, right? Do you see any of that that can be accomplished not in the physical? Can any of that be accomplished not in the physical? Can you, can any, does, do, does any of that not lead from a physical desire? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay.
Okay. If Okay. Okay. I'm I don't yeah, I guess I guess so. I this is how I look at it. All right? And and, and I don't I don't see really what where what I'm saying is wrong. But Okay. So, uh when it comes to the flesh, to me, there's nothing wrong with saying that it comes from our physical being. There's nothing wrong with saying that to me. Um, and the reason why I have no problem with saying that is, again, because I can't do these things without having the physical involved in my life. If I don't have literally this flesh, then I don't have these Issues. I don't have these issues. These are desires that come from my flesh. Right. Um, so again, when we go back to this, I'm just talking about specifically the flesh. Now look what I said right here. When it comes to the spiritual application of the flesh is what y'all are saying. So if those two can't agree, then we can just move past that slide. It's really not that big of a deal to me. Okay, but I don't see why they can't agree. All right, I don't, I don't have a desire to have a sexual relationship with somebody other than my wife coming from the spirit. It would come from my flesh. It would come from the desire of my flesh. Again, which is, comes out of a momentary gratification, not an eternal gratification. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just lost it and it's okay. Um, so let's just move on. The spiritual, because it is not always physical, tangible, or visual, is much harder to define. In fact, it takes faith to even begin to understand and describe it. And I'm not sure anyone can truly describe it. Anybody want to try? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I, I agree 100%. What I'm trying to say is I don't understand the hang up with the physical. And here's why I don't understand the hang up with the physical. Okay. Let's go back to the original sin. Right. With Adam and Eve. Right. So they're in the garden. Everything's being provided for them. They have the perfect life. There's one tree, one physical tree right? In the garden that they can't touch. They get close to it one day and Satan being the serpent, right? He throws out a temptation. What was the temptation? Yeah, they could be like God. They could be like God. 
they were they were in relationship with God. <clears throat> they were eternal because the tree of life was in the garden. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's a vessel, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's corruptible? Mm -hmm. that the flesh cannot do the will of God, that they're hostile to each other. Right? I give you that. <coughs> Where the mind is. Well, I think that's, okay. Go ahead. We overcome the flesh with the spirit. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Y'all are jumping so far ahead. Y'all want to take a six. We do one series, and y'all want to take a three series, three lesson series and turn it into six weeks. And we do another series, and y'all want to take a six lesson series and turn it into one week. Okay, let's just unpack it slower. All right, let's not jump to any conclusions um, about how, how, how uh, uh, let's just unpack it slower. We're talking about something that's a very difficult concept, and I understand that, okay? Um, but let's just unpack it a little bit slower, all right? Because at the end of the day, what is going to die? What is going to be destroyed? What, is not, what are we not going to take with us? The flesh. Uh, nope, can't say that. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? Because it's corrupted. But your spiritual nature has been redeemed. It's been redeemed. Okay? And these things are in conflict because through our physical nature, we are not infinite. We are finite. And that plays with everybody's head in here. That's what I believe, at least. It plays with mine. <clears throat> um, whereas in the spiritual, we are infinite. The problem is, is we live in a physical world where what we see is right in front of our face and we can touch it and we can smell it and we can see it. <coughs> and we have to get to a point to where our faith, our faith is actually our sight. It overrules our flesh. It overrules the physical intentions. It overrules the desires, okay? What was special about God in the garden? What was different about God in the garden that Adam and Eve did not have? <coughs> did Adam and Eve think they were eternal at the time of the temptation of the snake? Well, they had knowledge of good because they were in relationship with God. Right, because to fully understand good, you have to understand evil. But they had knowledge of good because they're in relationship with God. They couldn't define good because they didn't know the opposite of it, which was evil. I get what you're saying. I'm, I'm with you. We're on the same page. Like a 
Not till you tell them. <laughs> My dog tears something up and he goes running for the hills. I don't have to say nothing, but I have said it before. <laughs> right? Um, so, anyway, to me, the temptation falls in what is corruptible. What was corruptible with Adam and Eve? The flesh. Okay? And it's the same today. And Satan is still at the tree trying to get you to take a bite. Okay? And he's going to use, of course, the desires of your flesh, which, of course, to me at least, comes from the physical. He can't tempt you spiritually. Um, so, again, going back to the spiritual application of the spirit, it's the direction our spiritual being takes that leads us back to God. So the flesh is leading us away from God while the spirit is leading us back to God. Isn't that what you said at the beginning pretty much? Not exactly. So if you have not, if you don't have God in the equation, is that even a desire you have? Okay. I agree. Sure. So the generally nice things I don't, I think still come from God, to be honest with you, because um, all good things do come from God, which leads to the last point we'll say tonight, which is we are dual natured, but we're also dual natured because these things are in opposition to each other, which is why it is impossible to please God in your flesh. This is impossible without the spirit to please God. And here's the thing. I think there's actually a connection between this idea of flesh and spirit and the Holy Spirit, which we're going to get into next week, which might clear up a little bit of the disconnect we had today. Huh? Week after next. Week after next. Every time I get going on something, I get a week off, you know? Anyway, we're going to have to go over all this again. But anyway, um, so just be thinking about that. I'm not, okay, so let me say this real quick. Because I think some of you are, are taking what I'm saying as in like we could lead to original sin and stuff like that. It's clearly not what I'm saying. All right, I don't think everything that is physical is bad. All right, but those of us that are of the flesh are corruptible. In fact, Romans would say we've all been corrupted at some point in our life, for we've all fallen short of the glory of God, okay? And so therefore, it's those desires, not the spiritual desires, not the desires that lead us towards God, but those that we have to combat, which lead us away from God and his purpose for us. So we'll get into all this stuff next week, two weeks from now, and uh, hopefully it'll start to make more sense.